Hello, this is Gene Wilhelm, and today we'll be exploring the scriptures for the fourth Sunday of Advent, December 19th, 2021. The Lord, Lord, make us turn to you, let us see your face, and we shall be saved, is what the responsorial uh, psalm proclaims. Uh, are we in the light of Christ? Are uh, other translations say, Lord, let your face shine upon us, or let your light shine upon us. And the thing is that if we're in God's light, we can see the the world uh, and our own particular lives from the perspective of God. Then we're ab- we are much more enabled to be able to do the will of God. Uh, and we see that in the gospel, Mary, because she... The Holy Spirit was with her, and Gabriel had spoken to her that she was to conceive and bear a son, and then told that her cousin Elizabeth was pregnant herself. Mary was able to look beyond her own personal type of situation that she was in and think about Elizabeth. So she proceeded immediately to to visit Elizabeth and Zechariah. This should give us some hope that not only uh, that we are called to do that as well, but because Mary was able to do it, we should be able to do it as well. Let's take a look at the first reading. It's for the book of Micah, Micah chapter 5, verses 1 through the first part of verse 4. And it's in, it's uh, Micah is one of the minor prophets. And if you look at the note in the, in the New Jerusalem Bible, this particular passage was probably written about 30 years after the passage uh, uh, that we're going to read also from Isaiah. We're going to look at the passage in Isaiah. It says, Thus says the Lord, you, Bethlehem Ephrathah. Bethlehem, uh, the meaning of that town is house of bread. The meaning of Ephrathah is fruitfulness. And when we look at that, we see that Jesus himself says, I am the bread of life. So Bethlehem is the house from which the bread of life came. And Ephrata, he was fruitful. He's called us to be fruitful. And in John chapter 15, verses, uh, the first five or six verses, he talks about he's the vine, we are the branches, his father is a vine dresser, and we're called to bear fruit. Jesus makes us fruitful. Jesus bore the fruit of the Father uh, to, to the people to whom he came. And we just need to understand that we are called to do that as well. So it's very significant here that we see the name mentioned by Micah. And in Micah, apparently, according to the note B, 5B in, in Micah, in the New Jerusalem Bible, says that he he alluded to this uh, meaning, this this meaning of Ephrathah, meaning the prooffulness, that, the fire, that that's where the fruit of God's promise would come forth. Uh, the evangelist later used this passage as a prophecy of Jesus's birthplace. So it says, you're too small to be among the clans of Judah, so it's, it's a nowhere town. The people from there would be considered from nowhere. I mean, of no importance whatsoever because the town is so small. It has no significance whatsoever. And it is out of this insignificance from a human perspective that God chooses to bring forth his son. It says, for from you shall come forth for me, the one who is to be the ruler of Israel. This is to be the where the king is to be born. Of course, Bethlehem is the place where David was born himself. So there is some significance in Bethlehem in that David came from Bethlehem. And Jesus is the one who is supposed to rule forever on the throne of David. 
Now, we can look at that from, from various perspectives. And again, remember, Israel is the name that Jacob assumed that God gave to Jacob after he had struggled with God. And Jacob, of course, means trickster or supplanter. And Israel means God prevails or he will rule as God. And it says, and to one who is to be the ruler, whose origin is from of, of old. So John tells us in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So the fulfillment of John is telling us that Jesus is the fulfillment of that as well. And then we see whose origin is from old, from ancient time. Now, the passage that we have here is, is mentioned both in Matthew 2, verse 6, and John chapter 7, verse 42. So they're, they're talking about this prophecy in the, both of those places. The, Therefore, the Lord will give them up until the time when she who is to give birth has born. So until Mary is born, they are going to, we're all in slavery to sin. Because of the fall of Adam and Eve, we were all in slavery to sin. People before that had no chance of getting out of the slavery to sin. When the Messiah came, there was that opportunity to, to be there. But it's also referring to the fact of the, the bondages that, that the Israelite people were in over the centuries. First with the second northern kingdom being uh, captured and dispersed throughout the world by the uh, uh, Assyrians. And then by the southern kingdom uh, being taken by the Babylonians. And that there's still some bondages there. And God wants to free those. And it's going to be, we can't really be free until Jesus comes and frees us. Therefore, God will give them up. God gave us up as human beings as a result of the sin of Adam and Eve. But we are destined for freedom. And the rest of his kindred shall return to the children of Israel. So the, all those, those who are dispersed, all those who have chosen to leave, either of their own volition or who have been uh, carried off into the slavery, in our case, the slavery to sin, God is going to bring them back. Let's take a look at Isaiah 7, 14. This is the passage uh, which is classic about this. It says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel, again, means God with us. And there's a lengthy note in the Jerusalem, New Jerusalem Bible, note 7F for Isaiah, that I'm not going to go into, but it talks a lot about this whole thing, that, that, uh, this prophecy of the Messiah that we see in Isaiah. Now, <coughs> he shall stand firm and shepherd his flock. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> There are several passages that we need to look at here. Isaiah 40, verse 11 says, He will feed his flock like a shepherd, and he will gather the lambs in his arms, and he will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are young with young. So God is saying that this, this is supposed to be the shepherd who is the shepherd that will do all that's supposed to be done. We can look again at that passage in Isaiah uh, pardon me, Ezekiel 34, verses 11 through 12, where God condemns the shepherds of Israel, the leaders, the political leaders, the religious leaders, the civil leaders, the leaders in society, that they have done things that they shouldn't really be doing. They are not taking care of the, the sheep. They are making themselves comfortable, wealthy. They are taking advantage of the sheep that they're supposed to be, do, be tending, 
and he's going to take away their shepherding and give it to somebody else. And Jesus is that shepherd that is there that's going to be doing that. And we can look again, let's look at John chapter 10, verses 11 through 14. In this passage, Jesus says he is that shepherd. He is the fulfillment of the prophecy in Ezekiel. He's the fulfillment of the prophecy in Micah. He's the fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hireling and not a shepherd, whose own sheep they are not, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hireling and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Jesus is that shepherd. Do you allow Jesus to be your shepherd? And it's, it's a very interesting question that we have to answer. Many of us say, rebel against the shepherding of, uh, that Jesus provides for us. Now, but, but it goes on to say, he's going to do that shepherding by the strength of the Lord, in the majestic name of the Lord, his God. And they shall remain for now in his greatness, shall reach to the ends of the earth, and he shall be peace. My peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives peace do I give, but a peace that's internal. Jesus has told us again in John chapter 15 that you, a person who's truly a friend, lays down his life for his friend. And Jesus did that for us. He's calling us to do the same for others. Let's take a look at the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 45. This comes on the heels of the fact that Gabriel came and announced to Mary that not only was she to conceive and bear a son whose name would be Emmanuel, they were to call him Jesus, Yahweh saves, that she was to, he is the one who's going to save his people. But he also told Mary that Elizabeth had conceived. Now, the significance of that is that Elizabeth, much like Sarah, that we see in the Old Testament, who was barren, was past the age of childbearing. And God had blessed her with this child. And Gabriel told Mary about this. So let's take a look at this. It says, Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste. The Greek word there means with speed, and which means dispatch or eagerness or earnestness. Uh, if Luke had written this passage, he would have said immediately. And so what it's saying is that Mary did not hesitate. Uh, uh, a, a woman who just found out she's pregnant might want to take care of herself and her, ch- her unborn child rather than put herself out for others. Mary is just the opposite. Mary lays down her life for Elizabeth, and she's going to go there immediately. The note W talks about where they're going, and this little town, note W in the New Jerusalem Bible for Luke 1 says, uh, those of you who've been to Israel probably know this already, but those of us who haven't, it's it's news. So this town where she went is commonly available, uh, identified with Ain Karim, about four miles from the old city of Jerusalem. So Je- Zechariah and Elizabeth lived in the suburbs, They didn't live in Jerusalem itself, but it's close enough that 
Zechariah could go to the temple when it was his turn to, to have his duty and come home at night when it was over. So it's very close to Jerusalem, but it's not Jerusalem itself. So this is that town in Judah. Judah. And it attached, entered the house of Zechariah. Now, Zechariah's name, the meaning of his name is very significant here. It, the meaning is that Yah or Yahweh, I am who am, has remembered. So God has remembered Zechariah and given, will be giving him, has given him this child in his old age to, to be his progeny, to go on, to be his heir. So she went to the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And Elizabeth's name is very interesting too in that it means the God of the oath. So God gave an oath to Elizabeth and Zechariah that he, they would bear a child. And it took forever for that to happen, or seemingly forever for that to happen. So God, so their name, the names in the Bible typically are, are very significant in that, that the names are saying something about God. And God has... Uh, because if you remember the Hebrew concept of name is that it identifies the person. It's not just a tag that they wear. It identifies the person. So Zechariah may have had problems, but God remembered him, and God, he always knew that God would remember him. And Elizabeth knew that God had kept, would keep his oath to her. So when uh, Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, well, let's look at Mary's name here too. Because Mary's name goes goes back to the if we go back to the Hebrew, it's Miriam, which is the name of Moses' sister. And oddly enough, it the name Marian, Miriam, or Mary, means rebelliously. Uh, talking about how Mary, Miriam in the Old Testament, Moses' sister, rebelled against Moses because she thought he didn't deserve all the recognition and the power that he had. Mary is the opposite of that. Mary is the one that is totally obedient, totally subservient to God, totally in line with God's choices, even though she doesn't understand them. So Mary, again, if we look about that, Mary is the new Eve. The old Eve, the first Eve, is the one who rebelled against God. This Eve, Mary, is the one who is in line with God's uh, promises and God's will. So it's when Mary... Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting. The infant leaped in her womb. Now, how did that happen? I mean, those of you who have been pregnant understand how the child moves around in the womb. And apparently, Elizabeth was probably about six months pregnant when this event took place. Let's go back here and let's look at Luke chapter 1, verse 15. When it was told that that John the Baptist was going to be born, it was said, for he will be great before the Lord and he shall drink no wine or strong drink and he shall be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. So the Holy Spirit is upon John here. The, the, the things about the strong drink is, means that he's totally dedicated to God. He's a Nazarite from birth. And, and so he's filled with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is active in John and John recognizes when his God is with him. He recognizes the presence of God in the room, in the womb of Mary when he comes in and Mary says hello. Do you do that? Do you recognize the presence of God in your life when events take place, when people speak to you from God's word, when God speaks to you through other people? Do you recognize it? Are you joyful about that? 
or are you sort of reticent and sit back and do nothing? John left, and it was the Holy Spirit that gave John that that particular uh, gift of being able to discern, to recognize that God was in his midst. And it says, and Elizabeth filled with the Holy Spirit. So Elizabeth, too, had the Holy Spirit in her at this particular time, that John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit from the moment of conception. And in this particular time, at least, Elizabeth was that that bubbling over of the Holy Spirit came to Elizabeth, and she cried out in a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Those lines were lifted out of this gospel and put in the Hail Mary. And so Catholics pray this every time we pray a Hail Mary. We pray these particular verses, reminding ourselves of just who Jesus is and just how special Mary is. And so, but Mary is not the first one among people, uh, who women who were called blessed like this. If you look at Judges chapter five verse twenty-four, uh, there's a woman who said, "Most it says, most blessed of women be Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, of the tent dwelling women, most blessed." So there's not. This is not the first time this has ever been said. The other time is if you look in the, the book of Judith, after Judith had killed Holofernes, the uh, chief opponent of the Israelites at that particular time, King Uzziah said to her, and this is from Judah chapter 13, verse 18, O daughter, you are blessed by the Most High God above all women on earth, and blessed be the Lord God who created the heavens and the earth, who has guided you to strike the head of the leader of our enemies. So it, in the case of Judith, Judith is being praised for bringing death to someone, Mary here is being praised for bringing human life to God the Son, who would be the Messiah. So Mary is being praised for her willingness to bring forth this life. And God chooses Mary for a lot of reasons, but this is what God wanted her to do. And are you? the question for us becomes, can someone say that you're blessed among women or blessed among men? because you are recognizing the will of God in your life and you are doing the will of God in your life the way God wants it done. And so we can look at Luke chapter 11, verses 27 and 28, when we see that, that, that this is said basically again by someone in the crowd when Jesus is preaching. It says, and as he said this, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast that sucked you. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. As blessed as Mary is, we are blessed as well when we hear the word of God and keep it. When we hear what God is saying and we do what God tells us to do, if we're obedient to the word that God gives us. So there's hope for us. We are called to be blessed as well, but we we have to be willing to hear and to obey. And how does it happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Let's look at uh, New Jerusalem Bible Note 1X. And it says, this is the divine title of the risen Jesus. And he gives us some representatives. Uh, Luke gives him this early in life more often than Matthew and Mark. 
So Luke is already declaring here that Jesus is Lord. Uh, the When the disciples talked about him being Lord, they just meant master. But Mark here is using the, the title uh, that would be Lord in the Old Testament, which would be Adonai. And so he's already saying that Jesus is God in this particular passage. And then Elizabeth goes on for it. The moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant left in my womb for joy. Note why talks about some alternatives for that. Blessed are you who believe what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. Blessed are you, Mary, because you believe what God said would happen in your womb. Let's take a look at the second reading, which is from Hebrews, which is the book that we looked at a lot the last few weeks of the old liturgical year, which emphasizes the high priesthood of Jesus Christ, replacing the high priesthood of those who were in the temple in Jerusalem. We're looking at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through 10. It says, Brothers and sisters, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. In holocaust and sin offerings you took no delight. Then I said, as it is written of me in the scroll, I come to do your will, O God. Now that's the passage from Psalm 40, pardon me, Psalm 40, verses 6 through not, uh, 8. And it's sacrifice and offering you did not desire. Now the others will talk about holocausts and sin offerings. And so what what it's what is the holocaust? Uh, there's a it is a total consummation of the sacrificial victim by fire. So when we talk about the Holocaust of the Jews during World War II, we're really talking about the fact that they were totally cremated and, and a total offering to uh, completely. So what we have here is that God is t- telling us that so that we can understand what is going on. Now the other, the offering is the sin offerings, the sacrifices for sin. It says, sacrifice and sin offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. He prepared a body for, for us, for Jesus, to be able to do the will of the God, his Father. In Holocaust and sin offerings, you took no delight. And then I said, it's written for me in the scroll. He's saying that he's going to do that. First, he says, that sacrifice and sin offerings you neither desire or delighted in. Let's look at 1 Samuel 15, verses 22 to 23, where Saul is uh, reprimanding, or sorry, Samuel is representing, reprimanding Saul for what he has done of being impatient. It's, it's for Samuel's delay. And Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is a sin of divination and stubbornness is a iniquity and idolatry. Because you rejected the word of the Lord, God has rejected you from being king. Pretty strong words there that that uh, it's rebellion. Rebellion is a sin of divination or uh, doing all those witchcraft type stuff. And stubbornness is idolatry, worshiping other gods. It's worshiping the God of self uh, rather than the God who is. Now, he says, behold, I come to do your will. Then he says, behold, I come to do your will. He takes away the first to establish the second. I come to do your will. This speaks of Jesus as well. 
Jesus in chapter uh, 6.38 tells us, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. And again, that very famous passage in Matthew 26, verse 39, And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this chalice pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Are you willing to do that yourself in your own life? Are you willing to lay down your will and what you want to, to be able to do what God wants you to do? And then the Hebrews chapter, this passage in Hebrews, and by this will we have been consecrated through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Jesus is our sacrifice for sin. Let's take a very quick look at the, God, at the responsorial psalm, which is from Psalm 80. And the response is, Lord, make us turn to you. Let us see your face and we shall be saved. That turning to you is the turning away from ourselves. That's that whole concept of repentance, of turning away from self, turning away from sin, turning away from the alternatives to following God. And then it says, let us see your face and we shall be saved. Uh, uh, some translations say, Lord, smile upon us and we shall be saved or we shall be safe. Let your light shine upon us. Let us see the light that we can do what you need us to do or what you want us to do. And it, again, it talks about, O shepherd of Israel, hearken from your throne upon the cherubim, shine forth. God, it's recognizing God as the king, uh, the shepherd king. David was the original shepherd king. Jesus is the shepherd king. It goes on to talk about, take care of this vine. Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1, 2 talks about, let me sing for my beloved a love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug and cleared it out, stones and planted choice vines. And then it goes on to talk about how they rebelled and rejected against him. This, this vineyard is Israel. We, as the followers of Jesus Christ and his church, are the new Israel. We are the choice vine that God has planted. So what, whether we plant, whether we bear good fruit or bad fruit is our choice, depending upon how closely we are associated with that vine, as Jesus tells us in John chapter 15. We are called to be bearers of Christ as well as Mary. We are to be, maybe not in our womb, but we're to be bear Christ to other people. We are to allow Jesus to, to do his, what he wants in us in the manner that he wants, regardless of how insignificant or significant it is in our lives. And that can only be done when we allow ourselves to face God and be illuminated by the light in his life that he brings and shines upon us. With that, I'm going to close for today and thank you all for being with me. Hope we'll get in next week and that you are really richly blessed during the coming week. Thank you.